Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Amen. Thank you for the welcome. Just turn to your neighbor again quickly before you sit down and say, I'm so glad you made it this morning. Come on, smile at each other. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Good morning, everybody. Trust you had a great weekend so far. We have just come all the way from uh, New South Wales. And a minister down in a little town called Helensburg. And I uh, don't know if you know where that is, but it's just south of Sydney. And we had a great time there, God moving. Uh, the week before that, we were in Cairns. And we had an awesome time. It was quite a difference from the weather from Cairns down to New South Wales. You know, when you fly in the airplane, it's real quickly. But I think when you look at the distance, it's quite far away. <laughs> And so uh, it was awesome. We, um, in Cairns, we had a great time. We ministered in a church that was uh, a, a new building they got, and so it was under construction, just concrete floors and tin, tin building, you know, the, the, what do you call it, corrugated iron. And uh, there was no air conditioners, nothing. So it's just with a fan. It was, you were hot. And then going from that hot place to a cold place, what a difference. I enjoy the cold more than the hot, though. So that was great. We led over, uh, in three weeks in Cairns and Mariba, we led over 300 people to Jesus. Hallelujah. In Cairns. It's awesome. And we've ministered across the world since you've seen us last. We've been to 10, 11 countries, somewhere around there. We ministered and uh, seen God do tremendous work. We've led by uh, about 60,000 odd people, I think it is, to Jesus in, in these 13 months. Hallelujah. It's very exciting. We've seen God do great wonders and miracles and signs. And uh, just uh, even in Australia, we've seen uh, people stand up out of wheelchairs again just in these uh, last two months. We've seen uh, blind eyes open. We've seen cripples being healed. Just last week, we had a great miracle happen with a, gay, uh, a lady who had um, uh, scoliosis. Who knows what scoliosis? Curvature of the spine. And uh, her spine on the x-ray showed literally, you know, from her, from her lower back, it was straight, but the top end was literally that much, bent that much. And uh, after prayer, and they have a doctor in the house, a certified doctor, and after prayer, her spine, like that, just straightened out 100%, completely healed by God's power. So there's lots of wonderful things that have been happening. We ministered in... In the uh, Philippines, Philippines was kind of interesting for me. We ministered there two weeks, and uh, I must admit I'd never seen so many blind eyes open as I did in Philippines. <coughs> I think in one night we had five blind people get healed in, in one evening service. That was just powerful and just a great miracle. But also, I, we just the demon manifestation was something out of this world to see how God was setting the people free. Hallelujah. But and then again, also here in Australia, we've been casting out quite a bunch of demons this, this trip around. And so it uh, tells me that there's a great need and, and people need the power of be set free and to be healed. And so it's just been awesome, everything that we've been doing. And uh, it's just thank you, Pastor, for having us back again this year and allowing us. I said in the first service, I feel that I'm part of the family. I hope I, you will accept me as part of the family. And uh, we just love Pastor Ross and his family so much. And 
I, I said in the first service, and I'll say it in the second service, then you guys are super blessed by having a couple like this who are so on fire for God. Really, very blessed. And not just that, you're spoiled because you have such a great worship team. Really, you have one of the best worship teams, and that's just awesome. We praise God for that. And the reason I would say one of the best worship teams, I mean, there's a lot of people with a lot of talent, but what, what makes yours even more special is the fact that they worship God in the Spirit. And that's, the, that's a great key there, right there. Amen. Well, Father, we just thank you that we can sit around the Word again this morning, and thank you for what you did in the first service, and we'll pray that you'll just continue to stir our hearts and continue to birth revival inside of us, Lord. Thank you, Father, that we know that there is no such thing as competition with you, Lord. That you love us equally and you want to use us all equally, Father, in the name of Jesus. And so I just pray this morning that you'll, that you'll come and renew the minds, refresh the hearts. Uh, Lord, we didn't come here just to have meetings this week. Lord, we've come to have revival. And we want to see souls get saved and bodies get healed, people get delivered. And so, Lord, we pray that as I start this morning that you'll begin to touch your people that they will go out and do greater things for you. Those who believe with me says, Amen. Would you open your Bible, first of all, in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And while you're turning there, I also want to quote to you Ephesians chapter 4. And you're welcome to go there also if you want to. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, I'm reading from the New King James, I'm asking you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. He's, he's asking, beseeching, I almost want to go as far as to say begging us, imploring us that we are to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. How many of you know we're all called to be Christians? Can I say amen? We're called to be a Christian. Some people want to take this thing and think about, well, what is my calling? We all have a different calling, but the number one purpose of you and I is to be a Christian. And when we are Christians, we are to be like Jesus. Because that is what the word Christian means. Can you say amen? When I say I'm a Christian, I am saying, look at me, I am like Jesus. Can you say amen? Now, Matthew chapter 6, you are there. Let's read verse 9. I kind of like this one, verse 9. In this manner, remember Jesus is speaking now and he's teaching his people how to pray. He says, in this manner, therefore pray. Now, we all know this as the Lord's Prayer, right? How many, may I ask before I read this, how many of you have prayed the Lord's Prayer before? Good. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's a great prayer, isn't it? In actual fact, you know, it blew me away when I was in India now. After every service, when God had moved and saved and everything had happened, 
then the whole thousands of people would stand up and they would all end off the service with the Lord's Prayer. That was just powerful. I wept every time they did that. I wish we could do that even more. Can somebody say amen? But anyway, he says here, Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then he says, Your kingdom come and your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you have prayed and said that? Lord, let your will be done in my life. So I have a question for you this morning. Is God's will really done in your life? Are you truly allowing God's will to be done in your life? Or do we just say this prayer because it is taught us and we pray it in a religious fashion, but when we stop, pause, and make a study of the will of God and my will, is my will actually overriding God's will? Who gets what I'm saying? Is my will overriding God's will? This morning I spoke on a portion of Scripture, and I must say it was very quiet this morning in the first service. Because in Matthew, let me, let me show you what I mean. Go with me to Matthew chapter 21. I'm going to read it. I gave it in the first service, so I'm going to do it again. Matthew chapter 21. Is everybody okay? What is it about? We're saying, Lord, your will be done. Can you say amen? Your will be done. Not my will be done, your will be done. So in Matthew 28 verse, uh, sorry, 21, Matthew 21 verse 28, Jesus is speaking and he says, but what do you think? A man had two sons. He came to the first and he said, son, go and work today in my vineyard. Are you listening? Tonight, this morning, sorry, we have sons and daughters. God, our father, speaking to us. And God comes and says to you and says to me, Son, I want you to go and work for me in the vineyard. How do we know that? Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. How many of you can agree? That's his word. We are to go. He didn't ask us. He told us to go. Can you say amen? That is the will of the Father. The will of the Father is to go therefore make disciples and not only make disciples but you are to baptize them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit can anybody agree with that that's the will of the father it's not my will it's not pastor's will it's the will of jesus that's his will you must go you must go you must go so i asked in the first service this morning and and i'll ask you how many of you in the last three weeks got somebody saved in other words how many of you led somebody to the lord or how many of you made a disciple out of somebody you're getting what i'm trying to say so there's just the same hands that go up but most of the children of god are not obeying god's will even though this is his will how many of you agree the bible is called his will and testament is that true we, this is his will and testament. And so am I allowing God's will to apply to work in my life or is my own will overriding the will of God? Amen. 
Father, your will be done in my life. I've heard this over and over. Your will be done. Your will be done. Then God says, well, okay, here's my will. Go and make disciples. Oh, no, no, that's not for me. Father, your will be done. Your, your will be done. Go and cast out demons. Oh, no, that's not for me. So there was the son. Went to the first one. He said, go and work for me today in the vineyard. So this son answered and he said, I will not go. But afterwards he regretted it and he went. So he had a repentant heart. He, he was sad that he said to his father, I won't go. But then he came to his right state of mind. He repented and he went to go and work. And then, verse 30, he came to the second son. And he said to the second son to go and work. And he answered. And he said, I go, sir. I'll go and work for you. But he did not go. So which of the two sons did the will of his father? This morning, I believe that God is speaking to sons and daughters in the house, and He's asking us, are you doing my will? Which of the two did His will? So they answered, and they said, the first son did the will. And then Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you, that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterwards relent and believe in him. So there's many people who come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, but they hear the word of God, but they are not applying the word of God. They will apply only that which they like. Can you say, mm-hmm? They will not apply the full counsel of God. We just want the juicy ones. We want the good ones. We want the tickle my ear ones. We want to be, you know, we want the, the bless me things, but don't give me the hard things. How many of you know you cannot, you cannot just pick and choose what you want from the word? You got to take the whole counsel of God. Can somebody say Amen. So this morning, I just believe God's coming right here, and He's starting off this week by asking you, are you doing the will of the Father? Whose will are you doing? Is it your will or His will? What did Jesus say in John chapter 4? Let's, let's check this out. What did Jesus do? Jesus comes in verse 34, John 4 verse 34, and Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of of him who sent me and to finish his work. It's interesting. Why would Jesus use the terminology, my food? Why is it my food? Because that's what he lives on. We live on the bread of life, the word of God. Can somebody say amen? Jesus is the bread of life. And so his will, the, the will of Jesus was to do what God told him to do. Can you say amen? And that very same thinking should be in me and in you. Our will is to do the will of God. Can you say amen? To fulfill what his word says, not to, to do something else. So he says to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Lift up your eyes, he says, look out there. Let me tell you right now, Harvey Bay, there is a wide harvest ready to be plucked this week. 
Can somebody say amen? There is a harvest of souls. I have never seen it being so easy to lead people to Jesus today. Now, if I ask this question, and I, I, I did ask this question, how many of you have led somebody to Jesus in the last three weeks? Then we, we take offense. Some people get offended at me when I begin to speak like this. But you cannot be offended at me because it is God's will and commandment for all of us to do this. Can you say amen? Another man came to me and he, and he kind of said, he said, the word you preach is too hard. I said, what do you mean? He said, God's word is too hard. I said, listen to what you're saying. Because you, you're getting mad at me, but you can't get mad at me because I'm reading the word. Can somebody say amen? It's not what I'm preaching. It's what I'm reading. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is alive. Hello, the word of God is living. It is active. It is, it is full of power. And this word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And this word will cut right into your bone, into your marrow, to your mind, your thoughts, the intents of the heart. I mean, the word of God cuts into us. And most people don't like it when the word cuts so directly into us. But it, God does it for a reason. He, he speaks to us because he wants us to become activated. Because in the end, in the end, it's all about two things, heaven and hell. Can somebody agree with that? It's about heaven and hell. And it is your duty towards God out of obedience to fulfill His will that we are all to go out and make disciples. Can anybody say, mm-hmm? And don't give me the lame excuse that you're not called to do that. Because that's a lie. The first calling that we have been called, I read it, Ephesians 4, is that we are called to be Christians. Come on, somebody. We are called to be Christians. Our, our Christian duty is to warn people about hell. We are to tell them about Jesus. We are to tell them that God loves them, that God wants to heal them, God wants to save them. That's your Christian duty. You cannot take this wonderful gift of salvation and joy and love and healing and keep it for yourself. You've got to take it out. I was preaching in a church now, a big church, I won't say where, but in Australia, big church. And as I was preaching there, we went out for lunch with the pastor. <clears throat> and I asked this pastor, I said to him, do you think that the Australian people understand the purpose of a revival? Why do we want revival? And he looked at me and he said to me, I don't think they understand the concept of revival. What's the, why do we need it? A lot of people think revival is when we just come and have extended meetings. Which happens in a revival. But that's not the purpose of revival. Can somebody say amen? The, pur I, the purpose of revival is for God to come and take somebody who has been in church for five years or ten years. He's a born-again Christian, but somewhere inside of him, something started dying. The flame died. Hello. The power died. The, the excitement, the glory, the prayer life has died. The worship has died. The studying of the word has died. The winning of souls has died. Are you getting? The witnessing has died. It's everything. They, we like little robots who come to church every Sunday. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Go home. Live our lives. Don't your name and say that's you, not me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Am I speaking the truth? 
This is, our, this is what we do. We, we, we just fall in our little pattern of what we, what we are Christians. As we, but God says there's more to that. What you need is to be revived again. You need to come back to that first love, that passion. When you got saved, you couldn't help but witness and testify. You couldn't help but lay hands on people and cast out devils and prophesy. Am I speaking to somebody who once was born again, who knows what I'm talking about? You were so excited that people told you to shut up, leave me alone. But now all of a sudden, you know, well, I, you know, I, I, I've gotten into this routine. To ask me to come to church tonight and to come to church on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, are you mad? That's too much. To tell me that I am supposed to do what? I am supposed to lead people. That's not my job. Who understands that? Last year I was here and I laid hands on you many nights. Laid hands on all of the people. And I do this in every single church where I go. We lay hands on people. People fall out under the power. We teach on the anointing. We pray for the glory. And you get it. And then I come back the next year and ask, how many of you got somebody saved since I laid hands on you? And most of the people just sit there and never raise their hands. They didn't apply what they got. They didn't apply. What is it then? Do we just have these meetings to come and tickle each other and make, we, make you feel good and put a spotlight on me and say, check what Dion can do? That's not what it's about. Come on, somebody. Well, maybe if Brother Dion comes, we can see a great miracle. We can see another ha a healing happen. No, you should be having signs follow you every day. Every day, you should be casting out devils, speaking in tongues, healing the sick, raising the dead. Come on, somebody. We mustn't get excited about some of these testimonies. Let me ask you, when last do you have a new testimony? What testimony are you carrying? What has happened to you in the last three weeks? Come on, who's with me? Because we always, you know, we always go on somebody else. No, you need to get your own testimony. Amen? Verse 36 says, He who reaps receives wages. And gathers fruit for eternal life. Uh, for eternal life. How many of you want to reap way, receive wages for the work you're going to do? What you're doing down here is going to cause you to reap up there in heaven one day. Do you believe that? Now he says that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying says, and it's true, one sows and the other reaps. Hallelujah. One sows and the other reaps. And I send you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. What does that mean? Well, here I come this morning and I say to you, well, you know what, praise God. Look what God has done through Healing Ministries International. That's the name of our ministry. We've led 60,000 people. Woohoo! impressive. You know, we've seen blind eyes open cripples healed and the list goes on and people say wow well done Dion well guess what I didn't do that because I'm good I did that because of somebody else's labors that went before me did you get what I'm trying to say somebody else labored and I benefited from their labor I happened to be in the right place at the right time so I'm not standing here before you this morning to exalt myself above you and say, look what I can do. And I'm standing here before you to say that we are equal in the eyes of God and that we are sowers and we are reapers. Can you say amen? We are called to labor together in the ministry. 
Can you say amen? We're called to work together. And, and every year I come, I say, the success of this week is not upon me. It's upon all of us. What we put in is what we're going to get out. We get in the prayer rooms, and I hear people pray, Father, we want souls to come in. Lord, we want to see revival. We want to see the sick get healed and everything. That's what we pray. But then in the end, we don't see those souls coming in. We don't see the sick coming in. Do you know why? Because most of the people in church are not bringing their weight. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Don't you even say he's speaking to you, not to me today. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's check this out. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? Hello? Who then is Dion? And who then is Ross? Who, who, who then is Benny Hinn? And who then is Billy Graham? Who then is Paul? And who then is Mark and Peter? Is anybody getting this? Who, who are they? Well, he answers. He says, we are ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Hallelujah. God is the one who gives the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. That's the one that counts. Can somebody say amen? God is the one who counts. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. He who plants and he who waters are one. Today we are equal. Can you please say amen if you agree? There is not a distinction between one being higher and better than the other one. We are one. He who plants... And he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward. Oh, hang on now. There's a reward coming. Can somebody say amen? There'll be a reward coming according to what? To his own labor. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to receive rewards when I get to heaven one day. Who wants to, of you want to receive rewards? Somebody will say, well, I don't believe in that. Well, my friend, you're going to get a surprise one day when you die. There are rewards that are going to be given out. One person said, but we, we saved by grace and we don't have to work. No. Paul said that you say you have faith. He said, I'll show you my faith by the works that I do. Because faith without works is dead. And when I put my faith into action and I begin to work, and remember, when I'm working, I'm doing the Father's will. Can you say amen? I'm doing the Father's will. The Bible was written for all of us sitting here this morning. The Word of God is given to each and every one of us. Why do some Christians excel and go up there and other Christians stay down here? What's the difference? It's not because God has blue-eyed boys. It's because that some people are acting and obeying and applying the Word of God in their lives. What you put in is what you get out. Is that fair for me to say this, what I'm saying? We're not in a competition. I'm not better than you are, and you're not better than I am. But the fact of the matter is we are all called to labor for Jesus. We're all called to work. Some's going to plant, some's going to water, but God's the one who's going to give the increase.
so that we cannot say, look how good we are. Amen. So don't you sit there and don't you think that, that you can never do what I'm doing because that's a big fat lie. God is waiting for you to stand up and God is waiting for you to get out there and apply the word in your life. Come on, let's have a revival this week. How many of you can agree? Let's get something done for Jesus. We got to get something done for Jesus. Can you say amen? We have to do His will. Somebody say His will. Say not my will. His will. Be done in Jesus' name. Can you all agree with that? His will be done in Jesus' name. Acts 10 verse 34 says, Are you okay out there? Let's read verse 34. Yeah. Acts 10 34. Then P Peter opened his mouth and he said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Hallelujah. Come on, you should be happy about that. God shows no partiality. We're all equal before Him. But in every nation, whoever fears Him. How many of you fear Him this morning? Whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Hallelujah. So now he says we ought to do some works. Your faith in getting saved and going to church is good, but that's not good enough. You've got to put action to your faith. Please say amen if you agree with that. He says the works, uh, uh, sorry, in every nation, so here we are in the nation of Australia, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. How many of you believe He's Lord over Australia? Now that word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God, watch this now, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Can you say amen? And what did Jesus do with the Holy Spirit and with power? He went about. In other words, he went. He did not sit. He did not wait. But he went about doing what? Good. Doing what else? Healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Can anybody say amen? Jesus did the will of the Father, and to help him to fulfill the will of the Father in his life, he, was, he received the Holy Spirit, uh, and he could accomplish those big things. Can anybody say amen? Remember, God is not a respect of persons. He doesn't show partiality. So what does Romans 8 verse 11 say? Romans 8 verse 11 says, But if the Spirit of Jesus of Christ, who raised Jesus from the dead. Are you listening? But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Woo. There's a, there's a Holy Spirit dwelling in you and dwelling in me. And it's the same spirit that gave Jesus the power and the ability to fulfill the Father's will. Now he comes and he says that this same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and dwells in me. What does that mean? It means that we are partakers with Jesus Christ and we can do the very same works that Jesus did. Hallelujah. Come on, you can do the same work. We can do the same work, all of us. 
We are called to work together in his harvest field. Come on. Don't come and tell me that you can't do it. That's a lie. You can do it. I said you can do it. So the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Hallelujah. So you have the Holy Spirit with Jesus. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you know, it says that Jesus came and he said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, uh, in all, uh, sorry, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. My point being is this, that if God has called all of us to be Christians, then you can't sit there and say that I can't do what Dion's doing, or I can't do what Ross is doing, because we are put together. We have the same Holy Spirit dwelling in us, the same Spirit that Jesus had. Come on. And God did miracles through Jesus Christ, and that means that God wants to do miracles through you as well, that God wants you to sow, God wants you to water, God wants you to plant, God wants you to reach out. He doesn't want you to be a son and a daughter to do today who says, I will go and do Matthew chapter 28. I will go and make disciples yet I'm not doing what I said I will do. Does that make sense, what I'm trying to say? You can't say, Lord, uh, I, I want revival, and God, I want you to use me, and, God, and then God says, well, come on, let's have a revival. Go out there. When last did you lead somebody to Jesus? When last did you cast a demon out? When last did you lay hands on the sick? And you can't sit there and say, well, that's not for me. That's not for me, because he said, if you believe in me, the works that I do, you will do, and greater works will you do. Hallelujah. If you believe in me, the works that I do, you will do also. And you can't say, but I can't do the works of Jesus, because that's a lie again. You can do the works of Jesus, because he lives in you. He's got the Holy Spirit that's upon him, was upon us today as well. Come on, do you understand what I'm trying to get at this morning? Hallelujah. Acts chapter 8. I hope you're being encouraged this morning. Acts chapter 8 verse 4 says, Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. They were preaching the word. Then Philip, he went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. What, what are you saying to me? Well, here's Philip who was just sitting in an audience who decided to become a servant and to go and take care of the widows. He, 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 he loved God. He was filled with faith. He was filled with, with, uh, with the Holy Spirit. And he decided that I'm going to exercise what I got. I, I'm going to uh, use the power. And he went out and God started using him mightily. Can you say amen? Just a regular guy, Acts chapter 6. Uh, I've preached this here before. But Jesus came and he saw the willingness of this man to serve he got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this Philip who is actually a nobody that was a nobody in church started doing greater miracles and signs can you say amen he did great miracle signs and wonders just because he was obedient to what God told him to do 
How many of you want to see greater signs, wonders, and miracles? How many of you want to be soul winners for Jesus? How many of you want to see a revival come this week? How many of you want to see God change lives? Not through a Dion hockey, but through everybody that's sitting here looking at me. God is waiting for you. Stop doubting it. Stop, stop thinking I'm not good enough. Don't put yourself in a category of being lower than I am. There is no partiality with God. Can you say amen? I want to get this. God, God, you sow and I plant, but God gives the increase. Hallelujah. You might get out there, somebody who's been sowing, work with somebody, but when you come and you speak to that somebody because of what somebody else has done in their lives, you might just come and benefit their, their salvation or benefit the healing. But if you are not sowing, do you get what I'm trying to say? If you're not sowing, if you're not preparing, how can somebody else come and then water on that? So we are sowers and we are reapers. We are sowers and we are reapers, and God has called this week here that we can have this revival. Don't be the son who says, yes, God, uh, yes, Father, I'll, I, will, I will go and work for you, but then you don't do it. The second son, you know what, he, 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 he said, I'm not going to do it, but then he came to the realization, and he said, I cannot be disobedient to my father. So he regretted what he said, and he repented, and then he went to go and do what his father told him to do. Does that make sense? So this morning, I believe that there is a repentance that needs to take place this morning. You say, what kind of repentance? A repentance of me not being obedient to the Word of God. And I just use one example. One example of Matthew 28 says, go therefore. But there are many other examples. Prayer, fasting, loving your neighbor as you love yourselves. Hello. So much that I can preach on. But I just sense that the Lord was speaking. This is what happened in the first service. That if you know that I said, Lord, I'm going to do something, yet I'm not doing it, then I need to be like that first son. I have regret in my heart. Repent and say, I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry, Jesus. If I'm not doing what you called me to do, and if I use the excuse I'm not good enough, I'm not able, then I want to tell you that's all lies of the devil because you have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is upon you today. Hallelujah. The same anointing is upon you today. Can you say amen? You cannot say, I cannot do it because you can, you can, you can, you can, you can, you can do it all in Jesus' name. Can we have a revival this week? Tonight I'm going to teach on how to get the double portion. So I would love for you to come and listen tonight on the double portion. We'll lay hands on you for the double portion. How many of you want the double portion of God's anointing? Amen. Everybody still good? 1 John 2.20. Just want to encourage you this morning. The Bible says in the first book of John chapter 2 verse 20 says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One. Thanks for all the amens here. What do we have? You have an anointing. You have an anointing. You have an anointing. You have an anointing given from the Holy One. And check this one. You know all things. Say, I what? I know. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Why? You have an anointing. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Amen. I have the mind of Christ. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You have an anointing. Amen. Verse 27, I love this one. This is going to make some people mad. Verse 27 says, But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. Wow. 
You do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. What does that mean? You don't have to fear when you now begin to witness and you begin to work for Jesus. You don't have to fear by saying, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? The Holy Spirit will be there with you to teach you at that point of time. Come on. He'll guide you. He'll help you. He'll fill your mouths to say the right things. Do you believe what I'm saying here? Does that mean I don't have to study and go to Bible college? No, I'm not saying that. Of course, we study the Word of God. But what he's saying here, when we have received the anointing, the same anointing that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit, that's the same anointing you and I have. Hallelujah. And he will teach us and guide us and help us and lead us. So don't sit there and say, I cannot work for God. You can work for God. You have to work for God. It is your Christian duty and your obligation towards God that you are to win souls, to cast out devils, to heal the sick and to raise the dead. For freely you have received, freely you must give. Don't come to hope that this will be a week of entertainment again. I didn't come to entertain you. We've come to teach you, to prepare you, to anoint you and to send you out so that you can do the work of the ministry. Give him praise if you believe what I just said. You are to do the work of the ministry. I just want to read this to you because faith comes by hearing. James chapter 2 verse 17. He says, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Are you hearing me? If I have faith only by itself, but I do not have the works that go with it, then that faith is dead. Paul said this. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, you can't just say, well, I'm a Christian and I believe in the Bible, you know, and God's going to do something. No, if you want a revival, if you want to see God save a hundred people this week, if you want to see the sick get healed, then you've got to put works to your faith and bring the, the, the sinners in, bring the sick in so that God can do it for them. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Verse 26, for as, listen to this, verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead also so we said and we say father your will be done your kingdom come your will be done in my life lord and god says all right yes my will my will is for you to go and win souls my will for you is to testify my will for you is to raise the dead my will for you is to heal the sick then you cannot come to god and say but i can't do it you got to go and apply your faith you are anointed by the Holy Spirit. You have the name of Jesus. Is anybody getting this today? Are you all right? Do you, are you, do you receive this word? And last scripture, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. I want to leave this with you this morning. 1 John 4, 17 says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because, now underline that in your Bible if you haven't, as he is, so are we in this world. Come on, help me say this. As Jesus is, so am I today here in Harvey Bay. 
How many of you agree with that? As he is, so am I. You are a Christian. You are a born-again Christian. You are not a church-goer. There is a difference of a church-goer and a Christian. A Christian does the will of his father. A church-goer is full of religion. A Christian who follows Jesus will do what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Is that true? Jesus said, if you love me, John, he said, obey my commandments. What is his commandment? He said, go therefore and make disciples. That's his commandment. But you can't come and say, I can't do it, because then you're calling God a liar, and you're making the word of God to be a lie. God is true to his word. God shows no partiality. We have the same anointing. We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same Jesus. Come on. We're not in a competition. Not one better than another one. I want to encourage you. God is waiting for you. There is somebody out there who needs to get saved. And you're the one to get them saved. Can I say that again? You're the one to get them saved. But if you want to be a submarine Christian and hide your Christianity. Do you know what a submarine Christian is? Huh? Is the one who comes to church on a Sunday. Boop. He rises like a submarine. Hello, praise God. How are you? Bless the name of Jesus. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they're gone. You don't see them through the week. They don't witness. They're not leading souls. They're not praying. Is anybody getting this? Come on. Give God praise. You have an anointing. You have an anointing. You have an anointing. You have the power. Forgive me, Pastor Ross, if I repeat myself, but you know what would be the highlight of my walk as an evangelist? I think that's what I am. I would love to come back to a church like this, say next year. And if I came back next year on a Sunday morning and you said to me, all right, Dion, this is what's going to happen. You're going to sit down and you're not preaching today. And I'm going to say, Oh, what have I done wrong? <laughs> You're going to say, no, no, it's not what you've done wrong. It's what you have done since you've been here last. Because this is what's going to happen. My congregation is going to stand and line up all around these walls. And one by one, they're going to take the microphone and they're going to say, Brother Dion, since you left here last year, and since you laid hands on me, this is what I've done for Jesus. I've seen so many saved. I've seen so many healed. I've cast out so many demons. You know what? Then I can die and go to heaven. Come on, how many of you think that's a great thing to have? So would you turn to your neighbor and say, you're not a loser, you're a winner. How many of you say amen to that? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not a failure. With Christ, you can do all things. But now I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Because I'm bringing you back to the scripture. There were two sons. There were two sons. You see, this morning we have sons and daughters in the house. You are here this morning as a son and daughter of God. And I want you to think about what I was preaching on this morning because Jesus came and he said, the, the father asked the first son, will you work for me 
And the first son said, no, I won't work. But then he regretted what he said. He repented and he went to go and work for God. The second son, he went, he said to the second son, will you work for me in the vineyard? And I believe most of the church today is like the second son. Most of the church today says, yes, I will. I will do the Father's will. Yet when you go and study the lives of most Christians, they're not doing the Father's will. They're not obeying God. How many of you this morning have been obedient to God? He said, I'll go, but he never went and he never did it. Where are you, child of God? Where are you, my brother and my sister in the Lord? Where are you? Have you been obedient to His will? Do you have to be, this morning, I'm going to create an opportunity, like the first son who had regret in his heart, and he repented before God, and he said, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I was not obedient to your will. not going to play sweet games with you. If you're sitting here right now, right now, the Word has convicted you. The Word has come and spoken deep into your heart. Remember, God's Word doesn't condemn us. God's Word convicts us. That two-edged sword cutting deep into my spirit. And if you are sitting here this morning, you say, Dion, you know what? I heard what you said. And I'm guilty. Because I've been saying, Lord, your will be done. But yet I haven't been doing that. But I want to repent this morning before God. I want to ask God's forgiveness. I'm going to be man enough. I'm going to own up and say, Jesus, you know what? I, I've been confessing, that, but I've never been doing what you said I must do. I haven't won souls. I haven't been witnessing. I haven't been applying Mark chapter 16. These signs will follow those who believe. I'm guilty. But God loves me so much, He wants me to repent this morning. Nobody looking, if you say, Dion, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me that God will forgive me for being disobedient to His will? I know God loves me. I know He's not mad at me. But I need to repent like that first son. Have regret in my heart and say, I'm sorry. And then I'll go and work for Him. With nobody looking except me, if you say, Dion... And I'm not going to call you to the front, okay? I won't call you out to the front. You say, please pray for me. I, wa I want God to forgive me for not being obedient to His will. If that is you and you want me to pray for you, put your hand up right now in the air. Many hands have gone up. May I ask you, without calling you to the front, but may I ask you, if you say, Dion, would you really pray for me? I've, I've raised my hands, but... I'm going to ask you now to take it a step further. Would you stand to your feet? Those who raise their hands. To stand to your feet. It says you, it, it, it's you and God. It's going to wait a little bit longer because maybe pride is holding you back and your pride says, I'm not going to stand up. That'll be the day. I'm not going to stand. I don't want people to see me standing. It's not about what man sees. It's about what God knows. God knows where you're at. Is there anybody else who wants to stand?
to ask God's forgiveness. Everybody sitting and standing, say this out loud with me. Come on, let's pray this and say, Father, I ask you this morning to please forgive me of my disobedience to your will and your word. Your word is the truth. And I understand if I obey your word, I'll be blessed. But I've been disobedient. According to the first book of John, chapter 1 verse 9, I confess my disobedience. And I know that you forgive me right now of this disobedience. You cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And therefore I am now not unrighteous, but I am righteous before you. But I am righteous because, because, of the blood of Jesus. because of the blood of Jesus. I have been washed. I have been, I have been, cleansed, I have been cleansed. And I have been forgiven. And I, have been forgiven. I have confessed my sin. I've confessed my sin. Now, Lord, now, Lord, I stand before you, I stand before ready, you to receive ready to receive a fresh anointing, a fresh, anointing, a fresh, impartation, a fresh impartation of your spirit. Of your spirit. I, will not be lazy. I will not be lazy. I will not be slack, I will not be slack in what I'm called to do. You give me the courage. You give me the boldness to go out and to work for you. This week, I give to you. You're going to use me as a vessel of honor to bring souls in, to see people get saved, people get healed and delivered. This is our revival. This is the time for Harvey Bay to have a revival. I want to be part of it. I am part of it. I make myself available for you to use in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. If you believe that, give Him praise right now. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, thank Him for that right now. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.